everyone. I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, inviting you to stay tuned for these next 30 minutes or so of Bible study, fellowship, and a special message today from the Word of God. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast. Or if you're listening via Facebook or some other form, a podcast, or some other way on social media, we appreciate likewise you, uh, you tuning in today. In just a few moments, I'm going to be taking you to a special message entitled, My Forever Home. You know, you and I are eternal beings. We will live forever somewhere. And today, I'm going to be telling you a little bit about my forever home. And it, uh, it, might, uh, it, it might interest you just a little bit, some of the things I'm going to have to say about my forever home. I do hope you'll stay tuned for today's entire, entire program. Just before that, though, here's the specs. It's called, I'd rather have Jesus.
Mike's back on today's Pathlight program, and I'd rather have Jesus, and it's my desire, kind of a medley of songs. I hope you enjoyed that, uh, that musical selection that we had for you today. going to be speaking to you on the subject of my forever home, my forever home, and I hope you'll stand by for the next 20 minutes or so of the message. What I'm about to say might, might sound a bit strange to you coming from a fellow who by virtue of my age is probably a lot closer to heaven than a lot of you folks listening right now. But here it is. I like it right here. I like living on earth. Oh, sure. Sometimes uh, the idea of having a new body would be nice, particularly as I, as I get older and older. And I got to admit, this old sinful world does get a bit depressing from time to time. I understand all that. But still, with all that being said, this is a great place to live. And, and most of you must feel the same way because most of us try to hang on to life on this earth as long as we can. Even though we're Christians, even though we know that the presence of the Lord is waiting for us on the other side, even though we know Jesus has bought and paid for our eternal life and we will really only start living once we die, in spite of all that, we like living here. I like the meadows. I like the hills. I like the flowers and the trees. I like the beautiful springtime. I like to hear the birds sing. I'm rather fond of butterflies. I like snowy days and cold days and warm days and sunny days and rainy days. I just, quite frankly, like it here. I also like uh, donuts, to be honest with you. Oh, why should I like all this stuff? I'm a born-again child of God. Why does all this physical stuff appeal to me? Why does all this physical stuff, this temporal stuff, if you will, appeal to someone who is supposed to be walking in the Spirit? One day, many years ago, a fellow asked me if I thought we'd eat and drink in heaven, and I told him, I said, well, well, well I think we will. Jesus ate after his resurrection, and we do have an event called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, and maybe it's a southern thing, but how do you have a supper without food, huh? But, but he contended that eating and drinking were physical activities, and why would spiritual beings need nourishment? Well, perhaps he's got a point. Jesus did eat after the resurrection, but did he really have to, or did he just choose to? Well, I replied to the fellow, I said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I eat right now on this earth that I don't eat for nourishment. I eat because, well, because it tastes good and because it's fun. Here again, I go back to the donut. I probably don't eat that for nourishment. I eat that because it's, well, because it tastes good. But it seems that some people are offended at the thought of living forever as a physical being in a material world. Now, to me, I'm not offended with that at all because I call that, I call that resurrection. Many Bible-believing Christians would die before denying the doctrine of the resurrection, and yet they don't fully believe it because today I'm going to tell you a concept of the revelation, a truth, a theology of the, revel of the resurrection that a lot of people have never embraced and in some cases probably have never heard. What do you think resurrection means? Many apparently believe they will spend eternity as disembodied spirits just kind of freely floating around from place to place. And even if they get a new, different body during the resurrection, it'll be totally spiritual in its nature. I guess we'll all be floating around with helium within us or something. I don't know. But God's revelation concerning the resurrection and the new earth, our forever home, eludes them. 
Many people apparently don't believe in a bodily resurrection of the saints. Some even think we'll all become angels when we die, which of course is nothing but heresy. If I could eliminate one belief about heaven, if I could give you instruction about one belief about heaven, it would be that the physical world is the enemy of God's redemptive plan. That this earth that we see around us right now, cursed though it might be, under the curse though it might be, is still an integral part of God's redemptive plan. And actually the redeemed physical world is a central part of God's plan. The idea that the physical creation is evil and will be evil for all eternity and will one day be destroyed because it's so evil, it goes back to a fellow by the name of Plato. His belief was that there is a good spirit realm and an evil material realm. And the material realm will always be evil. It cannot be redeemed. This evil material realm and the good spirit realm are always fighting and at odds with each other. His view was that our souls occupy our bodies kind of like a hermit crab. Now, there's certainly some truth to that, but he didn't see the whole picture. He taught that the spirit's ideal state is freedom from the body, freedom from the physical in, in the first century, a Jewish teacher by the name of Philo embraced the idea that Plato had. And in the second and third centuries, some, some of the old church fathers followed Philo and reinterpreted scriptures, and they began to embrace the idea also. Now, I understand some things from scripture, and so do you, and that is, number one, the flesh is likened to the old nature. And that is, we know this flesh cannot possibly pre please God, and flesh and blood cannot even inherit the kingdom. We understand that. But I want you to know something. That is referring to this flesh. This flesh I'm housed in today. Not, it does not refer to my resurrected flesh. I also know that this world has been cursed. I understand that. But that is this world. It's not the resurrected world. The original world was physical, and it was not evil. God looked back on his days of creation and said, it's good. As a matter of fact, on the final day, he said, it's very good. Adam was created a physical being. He had a physical body, just like you and I. Although we believed he was clothed in the Shekinah glory, he still looked like you and I. His, if you cut him, he'd bleed, just like you and I. But he was not originally evil, even though he was a physical being. God didn't look down at this earth and say, none of this is spiritual, all this is material, all of this is physical. The mountains are physical, they're evil. The earth is physical, it's evil. Adam is physical, he's evil. No, of course not. That's not true. The, the Bible contradicts this theology from the beginning. Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the end, in Revelation 21.1, God says, or the Bible speaks, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John speaking in the book of Revelation. God created the heaven and the earth, and it was good. John saw a new heaven and a new earth, and apparently that was good. The gospel itself centers on the resurrected Jesus, who as a part of his redemptive work will resurrect his people, but will also resurrect the world that he made for them. Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Adam became alive when God joined his body and spirit together. Your body doesn't merely house you in tandem, if you will, with your spirit 
It is you. Jesus redeems our whole person. When believers die, our spirits go to to the present day heaven, sometimes called the third heaven, while our bodies go to the grave, but they go to the grave awaiting resurrection. What is my point? The point is your body is going to the grave. Yes, it is, at least during this dispensation, but it is going there to await the resurrection. Your physical body is important. Do you remember when the devil contended for the body of Moses? Do you remember that? The devil wanted that body and God wouldn't let him have it. We will never be all God intended us to be until the body and the spirit are reunited. And just as our new bodies won't be non-bodies, they'll be resurrected bodies, but real. So the new earth we read about a moment ago will be a real earth. It won't be a non-earth. It'll be a real earth, although resurrected. So why, why do I call not understanding this truth dangerous? Because if we believe that the material world is inherently evil, we will ignore or spiritualize the resurrection. Some denominations already speak of only a spiritual resurrection, that Jesus never really rose from the grave physically, only spiritual. But as the sunrise requires a sun, the resurrection requires a physical body. That is what was resurrected, was a physical body. That's what resurrection means. The risen Jesus reassured his disciples in Luke 24, 39. He says, Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Yet some people teach and imagine that an afterlife, that we'll all be like ghosts, we'll all be spirits, the very thing Jesus reassured his followers he was not. He said, I'm not a spirit. Uh, Some of us imagine if we could touch Jesus, our hand would go clean through him because he's nothing but a vapor. No, no, he had a body. If you were to touch Jesus in his resurrected body, you would touch flesh and bone. Maybe not flesh and blood, but certainly flesh and bone because that's what he said. Satan wants you and I to believe that eternal life is going to be totally unearthly, totally strange and weird to us. And perhaps even a bit boring. And, and you know, as a result of that, th- there's a new term we have today that's uh, evolved over the past uh, decade or so, and that's called bucket list, that people say, you know, before I die, there's some things I want to do. Because I realize once I die, I'll never be able to do them. So if you want to climb a mountain, you better do it now. If you want to see Hawaii, you better do it now. If you want to go to the Holy Land, you better do it now. Be- because one day you're going to die, you're never going to have that chance again. Good grief. That's foolish. Who wants to be a ghost? Who wants to be a phantom? Who wants to be something floating around in the air? Why invite others to spend eternity in a heaven that perhaps I'm not even sure I'd look forward to myself? Our joy, hope, and motivation to evangelize suffers a real setback with these dumb ideas. Trying to develop an appetite for eternity, being some disembodied spirit, is like developing an appetite for mush. It's kind of hard to do. The Bible's actual teaching should thrill us. Eternity in a redeemed, resurrected body, living in a Jesus-centered culture, on a new resurrected earth, a capital planet of the new universe. To me, that's incredibly good news. No wonder I like this old earth. No wonder I like this place. No wonder I like the earth. It's, it's home. It's my forever home. 
It will become new. It will be redeemed. It will be resurrected for sure. But make, make no, no mistake, this is, this is home. Yes, I know when we die today, if you're a Christian, God will give you a temporary body suitable for heaven, suitable for that place where God abides today with the saints of old. It's the place of his throne. We sometimes call it the third heaven. But listen, God never changes, but heaven will change. We read a moment ago that the book of Revelation says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. A new earth we understand. Why? Because this old earth is marred by sin. A new heaven, why? Because that was also marred by sin. If you remember the first sin likely committed in this universe was committed in heaven. When Lucifer rebelled, heaven was a place of sin. God says there's going to be a new earth because the old one's marred by sin. There's going to be a new heaven because the old one is marred by sin. The Bible indicates that after our resurrection, God will relocate his central dwelling place to the new earth. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's when that occurs, by the way. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Again, that's Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Look across the page, Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. Grab a hold of that. Where's the throne going to be? Here on earth. Here on the new earth. That's where the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be. Heaven is where God's throne is and where he dwells with his people. Hence, the new earth is going to be the eternal heaven. When Christians die today, we go to live with God in his place. That's the present heaven. But after the resurrection, after the redemption of all things, God is going to come down to live with us in our place. I hate to call it our place because he created it, but you understand what I'm saying. In the future, heaven on the new earth will not be as much God with us as uh, us with God, I'm sorry, as it will be God with us. And that's Emmanuel, isn't it? Jesus came down. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And in eternity, it's going to be God with us in the future world. We're wrong when we confuse the present pre-resurrection heaven with the future post-resurrection heaven. And I'm referring to the resurrection heaven that God will bring down to the new earth when you and I are resurrected. The present heaven, the Paul says in Philippians 1.23, is far better than anything here on this earth. And upon death, we'll be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8, that is all true. But my point is this. Wonderful though it will be, we shouldn't think of the present heaven as if it were our ultimate home, because the best is yet to come, an eternal, delightful life, worshiping and serving the forever incarnate Jesus Christ on a new and redeemed and resurrected earth. Spirits without bodies might fit well into paganism and mysticism and might serve you well on Halloween, but they don't fit Christianity. Paul says, if there's no resurrection, we are of all men most miserable. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. New bodies and the new earth aren't our inventions. They're God's. He created us to live on and to rule this earth. And Jesus became man to redeem, not just man, 
but the creation also. God's people should look forward to finally doing what God created us to do and doing so in a perfect world. The present earth, even under sin, even under the curse, teems with clues about the new earth. We read of mountains and water and trees and people and cities along with other passages, including Revelations chapters 21 and 22. They depict life on a new earth in familiar ways. We'll eat, drink, work, play, worship, discover, travel in a sinless world. Even better than the one God made for Adam and Eve. Revelation 21, 23 through 27. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them, make note of that, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all day or all night. There'll be no night there, it says, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations unto it. And there shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Did you notice those words, nations? The word nations suggests resurrected civilizations and cultures with distinctive ethnic traits. Nations, multiple New Earth passages mention animals, Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, Isaiah 65, 25. In Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, we read that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain, awaiting for that glorious redemption of this earth. Animals are included there in Romans chapter 8, which along with humans are groaning and in anguish awaiting the resurrection when this cursed and dying earth finally lives again and is resurrected to new and better life. Jesus promised his disciples a regeneration in Matthew 19, 28. Peter preached that Christ won't reign until the times of restitution of all things, Acts 3, 21, referring to the eternal reign. When the Lord we love, with the Lord we love, believers will embark on an ultimate adventure. A magnificent new earth awaits our exploration and governance all to God's glory. Jesus will be the cosmic center. Joy will be in the very air we breathe. Joy in the dust we walk upon here on this new and redeemed and resurrected earth. We as resurrected beings walking on a resurrected new world. Christians are vulnerable to false teachings, even foolish doctrines that Sometimes, honestly, don't even seem that appealing to me. And I don't know why in the world people embrace them because they, 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 seem, they seem very unappealing. True biblical teachings about the new body and the new earth are far more appealing than all the false views that many people have of heaven. We need to teach these truths to ourselves and to our children and let our churches teach what is absolutely true and profoundly encouraging. There's a thought of experiencing a resurrected world appeal to you? Does it ignite your imagination that we will live happily ever after on a planet without sin and suffering? Is this part of the good news you share with others? Let's never settle for less than the full breadth of God's promised salvation eternal life with God's people on a redeemed earth, a resurrected life with God's people on a resurrected earth, governed by the King of Kings, whom we will joyfully worship and joyfully serve forever and ever. Yes, indeed, 
one day the Lord Jesus is coming back. And for a thousand years, he'll rule and reign on the, on the throne of his father, David. That is what we call the kingdom of heaven. But one day after that final battle of Gog and Magog and the kingdom of heaven, which is, which is basically a part of this earth as it is now, will evolve into the eternal kingdom of God. And then the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. God is going to resurrect this earth as he has resurrected you and I and as he will. No, the, the third heaven... It's not my home. It's not my eternal home. Uh, sure, I may dwell there for a while. If God requires my soul today, I'll be in the presence of the Lord. I will be clothed in a temporary body, and I will be in the third heaven in the presence of God and in presence of the saints of old. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. Don't get me wrong. Far better than anything we could possibly imagine here on this earth. Paul says to die is gain, and he's right. But my eternal home is right here, right here, right here on the new earth, a resurrected earth. That's why we love this place so much. Even with all the sin, even with all the evil that's going on in this world today, even with all the trash that's going on in society, there's something about this earth that we still love. This is home. This is home. And just as our bodies are going to be resurrected, so is this old earth. And it'll be a new earth. And one day it will be the place of the very throne of God. And it's where we're going to dwell. The eternal heaven is right here. And God will, God will set up his throne right here. Right here. Isn't that exciting to you? When Jesus came the first time, it was announced he was Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the way it's going to be throughout all eternity. God with us right here, right here on this earth. And rather than us going up to be with him, he will be here with us, with us in heaven. And just being with God doesn't matter if we're at his place or ours, so to speak. But, but it's exciting to know that there's going to be a new earth. What is all this called? It's called the doctrine of the resurrection. Not just the resurrection of you and I, which will occur one day, but the resurrection of this earth itself. What an exciting doctrine that we need to make sure we understand as we share the good news of Christ and His resurrection with others. When I was uh, preparing the message, I had uh, said uh, I had a working title of calling it "Heaven is not my home," and I realized that that might be might be misinterpreted. No, heaven is my home. The third heaven, a temporary heaven. If Jesus were to come for me right now. Uh, my soul were required to be right now, I'd be in God's presence in the third heaven with him and the saints of old. It'll be wonderful. But one day, one day, there's going to be a resurrection, not only of my old body, but also of this earth. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new me. And it's going to be exciting in the world to come. If these programs are a blessing to you, we'd enjoy hearing from you. Until next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you is my prayer. I hope you have a wonderful, successful, prosperous, and healthy week in your service to our King. <laughs>